Hey y'all, welcome to the Imago Day podcast. This is brought to you by Redefined Table. We're your hosts, Mo and Jay, and we invited some friends over for this first episode. Uh, the title of our talk was hashtag favorite females. So, so pull up a chair, grab your favorite cup of coffee, and let's dive into this episode. We saved you a seat. of the Imago Day podcast. Let's give us all a round of applause. We're excited. My name is Monica Rodriguez. I am your host for today's conversation. Um, the Imago Day is brought to you by Redefine Table. We're about this life, our tagline, different type of dialogue, and audacious talk collaboration. So with me this afternoon, I have some of my dearest friends in life that are joining us here. I'm gonna start to my right, Miss Erica. Miss Erica Miranda, she is our, here at Redefine Table, she is our Bible study director, coordinator, everything that leads to our Bible study. Erica, thank you for joining I'm us so excited here. to be here. I'm blessed and honored to be sitting at this table today to have this conversation. Me too, thank you so much. Then we have our co-host, Jamie, in the house. Miss <laughs> Jamie, she is all things creative. She's an artist. She is a director here at Redefine Table. She has helped spearhead this podcast, so together we are making some strides on this planet. Let's go. All right, Jamie. Give us a two second. <laughs> What's up, y'all? What's up, y'all? <laughs> okay, and then directly to my left, next to direct my left, <laughs> is Teresa Rivera Santis. She is our worship director at Redefine Table. She does a lot of different things, but in this circle, um, she leads us in worship. So thank you for that, Teresa. Good afternoon. Good morning. Hey. And then to my direct left, for real, for real, is <laughs> Sofia Gonzalez. She is a phenomenal, powerful, motivational speaker in all kinds of things. Um, but she is also the founder of Project 214, the not-for-profit that my soul burst open for. Yes. Um, she's also a director and leader here at Redefine Table. And we're just here wanting, and wanting to gather and have conversation. So let's dive in. Today's yes. topic is our hashtag favorite females. Yes. Ooh. So let's get into it. Um, whoever wants to start, I give the floor to you. Who is your favorite female and why? I'm getting the stare down from across the table. <laughs> so um, I guess I'll start. My, I had to switch my favorite female um, in the middle of the week. I typically go to Mary Magdalene for all of the reasons that we know about. Um, she was there with Jesus, walking beside Jesus at the feet of Jesus, you know, prepared his body for burial when he was crucified and was one of the first, was the first woman when he came back, um, when he was resurrected to, you know, spread. But, um, I, my attention was drawn to this woman named Anna. Mm. Um, she was in Luke. Um, she's only found in like, uh, I don't know, four, three or four verses of the Bible, but she was present in the temple when Mary and Joseph, um, brought Jesus, the baby, to be dedicated in the temple, mm. which was part of the law at the time. Um, they, they, they circumcise the baby, and then they go ahead and present uh, the baby to the Lord. And she, the word in Luke 2, it specifically says that 
She was in the temple day and night. She was an older woman. She was about 84 years old. Um, and her she de- devoted her life to prayer, fasting, mm-hmm. and worship. Mm-hmm. And her section... Um, in the Bible, when she's introduced, she has a title. It says, The Prophecy of Anna. And mm-hmm. I find that although she's only um, spoken about in such few verses, she has her own mini section there. Mm-hmm. So she had to be a woman of significance. And I love that it it encompasses her. The way that she's introduced is the way that we should all be introduced when someone thinks about us or the women or when someone talks about our walk, you know, we should be women or people that are dedicated to worship, dedicated to prayer and fasting. Mm-hmm. Um, she was a prophet. And when Joseph and Mary had brought the baby, they saw Simeon first. Um, and they had their own little interaction. And she happened to be walking by them while they were talking to Simeon and she recognized the baby immediately as a savior. Mm -hmm. And she, um, just went to just tell everybody and to minister directly. She recognized the spirit of God in human form and she began to worship and praise the Lord immediately. And she, you know, told everybody, this is the Messiah, this is the savior of Jerusalem. So, um, I just, I was drawn to brief yet powerful, um, mention of her name and mm-hmm. we don't see her anywhere in the bible but she was definitely significant during the first few days mm. of jesus's time here on earth For mm-hmm. wow mm-hmm. thank and you that's, 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 yeah. that's beautiful mm. anna's her name anna prophet um yeah anna she was a prophet that's cool mm-hmm. awesome <laughs> wow. jamie how about you all righty um <clears throat> mine's kind of is mentioned in the new testament but she's from the old testament and she's actually like listed in the heroes of faith the hall of faith yes and uh i was intrigued by that because it's like here are the heroes of faith and here's also um kind of the reputation of jesus Mm -hmm. and then they mention in verse 31 i'll read it really quick because it's my favorite Um, it's in the new testament work uh hebrews 11 and verse 31 uh, by faith, Rahab the prostitute mm. did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given friendly welcome to the spies. And then kind of thir- verse 32, yes. and what more shall I say? Mic drop, right? Exactly. Wow. And she's found in Joshua too. Come on. And I kind of like it because she's like, she's still listed as a prostitute. Like, mm-hmm. uh, here's the heroes of faith, even a prostitute. And, wow, I love that. And, That's um... Good. It's like, I don't know, like, I just love her, like... And it's cool, too, because who comes from yeah. her Exactly, lineage? Jesus. Yeah. Like, he tr- entrusted his reputation and his lineage to a prostitute. Mm-hmm. Like, it could have been the most perfect, like, lineage, and yet he entrusted with her and with all these other awesome people of the faith. Um, but, like, her story in general, like, she ran an inn in Jericho. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. she's like this promiscuous woman so you know she's like she's got this in running and then these spies come in kind of the servants of the lord and she welcomes them in and i'm sure like she didn't even know they were like at first probably like people from israel Mm -hmm. and then when she kind of realizes that they are she's like we heard of you Mm -hmm. and 
we heard of your God, and your God is actually scaring the people in here. Like, your reputation's scaring us. Mm -hmm. <laughs> We're actually scared. So it's kind of like Israel's intimidated by this wall and these people, but their their enemies are actually, like, scared of them. Come on. And so, yeah, I love that. And then um, Rahab, how, like, I like, the, I like her name because you could also, like, scratch off the A mm -hmm. and turn it into rehab. Yeah. <laughs> the creative yeah. side. <laughs> hey, I like that. So uh, I kind of think, like, I was telling Sophia once, I was like, could it be said that when God broke down the wall of Jericho, like, he also broke down her walls? Like, mm, because yeah. then she goes on to serve the Lord. She goes on to follow Israel and goes on to give being the lineage of Jesus and from a prostitute, from someone who was promiscuous and had this dirty lifestyle that someone considered, mm -hmm. she gets used by the Lord to bring in the Savior. I love that. So mm -hmm. I love her a lot. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Erica. That's good. Oh. So um, for me, one of my favorite women in the Bible is definitely Ruth. Um, I love that she is an immigrant. Mm -hmm. um, she so leaves good. her home. Um, to venture out with her mother-in-law. Um, and because of her loyalty, God blesses her. Um, Ruth's story is so beautifully written, the way that it is set up. And what's shocking to me is that there aren't very many women um, named, right, in the Bible, but she has her own book. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and her story is so significant because, like Jay was saying, she's also in the direct lineage of Jesus. Mm -hmm. She was David's great grandmother. Mm -hmm. Had she not been obedient and went with her um, mother-in-law, she would have never uh, received that blessing. Mm -hmm. um, and one of my favorite things is that Ruth, um, in her journey, at one point, she's laying on the threshing floor. And the mm -hmm. threshing floor is very significant. Mm -hmm. It's where they um, separated the grains, right? They took off, they would toss the grains up into the air and the wind would blow out the stuff that wasn't needed and then the actual grain would fall to the ground and the fact that the night that she received her blessing was the very place that she was laying um, to get to that point all that she had to go through losing her husband watching her mother-in-law suffer to be in a point of humility where you're just you don't know what's going to happen you just mm -hmm. know that God's going to do something mm -hmm. and um, when he takes us from that that point and he just throws us up and we allow him to take away the things that um, that we don't need, right? In order so that we can have what's coming next. Um, and for me, this this story and just how being fearless, being in a new place, you know, being an immigrant from someone who probably didn't know the Lord, but knowing of someone who did and her loyalty to that is why I really love and admire Ruth. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's amazing. I love the snippets that we get from the women of the Bible, because not only are their lives obviously significant, but the details, everyone, there's mm -hmm. there's so much um, divinity in the details that mm -hmm. if we spend enough time soaking in and really studying um, certain books of someone, certain women or anything, books, you know, words, women of the Bible, there's so much that comes out of it. Miss mm -hmm. Sophia. Mm-hmm. Tell us about our girl. Go on. Yeah, so 
Um, a little while ago, I did a woman's conference and um, I was given the task of unpacking the entire book of Esther <laughs> in three sessions. Um, and it was one of the most research-based, but one of the most provocative journeys of my life in terms of studying um, scripture. And so Esther immediately, and it's funny you mention um, Ruth, Ruth and and this girl Esther are the only two that are holding it down in terms of the women that are True. named in the Bible as actual books. Okay. Um, so they are the only two. Um, and so Esther is such an incredible monument in the Old Testament. Um, she came in in 5th century Persia. She was the relative to Mordecai. Um, they came from the tribe of Benjamin, mm -hmm. which is a... Um, which was a fighter tribe that uh, was known to split hairs and never miss. And so she was from this warrior tribe. That's um, so good. I did not the know The warrior that. tribe. Yes. She was powerful. Um, she was known um, to be part of this lineage of what it is to fight for um, things that are just not right. Um, her name means star in Persian. Mm -hmm. And her name also Ooh. means myrtle. Um, which is a flowering plant that um, it releases its fragrance only when it is crushed. Ooh, and so this like idea that. of um, the, the, the fragrance of who you are mm. will shine like a star mm. only mm. when you are crushed. Okay. And so right. Esther, yes. in her process right, mm -hmm. of, of being crushed, she was an orphan, she was in exile, mm -hmm. she was under... Sorry, um, <laughs> powerful persecution um, under the reign of King Nebuchadnezzar. And she comes into this place of opportunity. Um, and it was off of the heels of resistance. Um, you enter the reign of King Xerxes, one of the most powerful kings mm -hmm. in that era. He had a queen named Vashti, mm -hmm. which um, means beautiful, um, but even... Um, that couldn't hold her seats because um, she was so beautiful that the king wanted her to flaunt her beauty. Um, and it was in that moment that Vashti had refused. Mm -hmm. um, and then that's when the beauty contest was called and Vashti <laughs> was removed. And so I came up with this idea that every revolution begins on the heels of resistance. Mm -hmm. um, and so Esther comes Ooh. off the cuff of that right off of this resistance and she shines and she goes through this uh beauty treatment and she's humble and she's careful and she's just watchful and here comes this high-ranking official Haman mm -hmm. uh, who had it out for the Jews <laughs> mm -hmm. for a minute Mordecai um just long story short right they they get into this beef because Mordecai would not bow down he uh, wanted to just honor the one true God, right? Mm -hmm. And um, and so there there was a hit that was put on all of the Jews at that time. Mm -hmm. Mordecai goes to Esther and says, you need to do something. Right. Well, in order to go to the king, you need permission. You need the scepter, which represents permission and rule. 
And Esther is like, I don't have permission. You realize that if I go into the presence of the king that I could die. Mm -hmm. um, and that's where we get these famous verses, right? In Esther chapter 4, verse 14, Mordecai tells her, um, if you don't go, deliverance will come from another place. But who knows that you have been called into this position for such a time as this, right? And so she comes into her position. And in verse 16 of chapter 4, she says my favorite lines, and if I perish... I perish mm. and so she goes long story short she saves the Jews the lineage is just tight ready for Jesus to pop in and so why does this resonate with me uh, she came from nothing she represented the woman she mm -hmm. saved the lineage of Jesus yes. she exhibited generation saving courage if God doesn't give you a miracle you become the miracle yes. Yes. and yes. The, the, the the central theme and the backdrop of the book of Esther is the providence of God and so now she has forced me to believe in providence and not coincidence mm. and so Esther is really a front runner for what it is to be a woman in leadership in a time where there was great controversy and injustice and i'm just excited that um she has just given us this picture of what it is to be a woman of hope of courage and of justice so if you'd have to ask me i would say um <laughs> esther is definitely yeah. my are you sure well thank you these are all such amazing stories that we get to pretty much make alive right mm -hmm. we make alive we we take these narratives we make them alive we apply we ask ourselves how do i you know what is my takeaway from this woman that woman and really the conversation can go on and on um i'm particularly thankful for you know <clears throat> all the females they're all my favorite females <laughs> all of them um but mary mother of jesus mm. i mean this this young teenage girl yep. okay um, with the mandate to uh, and a call and a mission on her life to bring forth the Savior and just <clears throat> the courage and the my goodness like the humble role that she plays I love her specifically because not only is she all woman but she's all mom mm -hmm. you know what I mean and and that's my jam you know y'all know that my children are my mission so I put myself, you know, we all know the Passion of the Christ. I don't know if y'all, we watch it every, you know, Easter um, season. Um, and so I, I put myself in that, in that story and I think, wow, you right. know, I think of um, just all the different emotions that come mixed in with, but I just love her. I love her confidence. When Jesus was like, look, girl, calm down. This woman. <laughs> yes, yes woman. woman. This woman. Um, I'm a woman. We know this account when it's this first miracle, when he turns water into wine. Um, and I love it in her confidence. She's like, just just do what he tells you. He's like telling her, like, ma, calm woman. down. It's not, it's not time right now. And she's like, do whatever he says. Como quien dice, right? Like, yeah. Okay. All right. But I just love that she was um, not only chosen, um, I mean, the Christ could have come in any kind of way. You know yep. what I mean? He had to be, because, you know, he had to be 100% man, 100% God. And he had to come in like the rest of us come in. And so that was, that's what makes our story so relatable to Jesus, mm -hmm. is that he walked the earth like we walked the earth. And um, 
and he felt he felt the same emotions we feel you know yeah. and that sometimes that's almost um we can't wrap our mind around it how 100 god this how can you feel how we have felt but if we put it in in, in basic terms yeah he felt lonely we've all felt lonely yeah mm -hmm. he felt um rejected mm -hmm. um and the list goes on and on um going back to mary like empathizing with a mom um and just saying wow you know what i mean like what i could just imagine what it's like to 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 birth the savior of the world um and just the legacy um after you know once once he 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 rose from the dead and and anyway so mary's my jam i really like her um i really like them all but um you know there was about a month ago there was a conversation um that kind of pretty much spearheaded this particular movement um redefine table is uh it's a collaboration for empowering women and uh we've all had pockets in um our lives that i'm speaking of us here at the table that have moved us and have pushed us to do more be more right because right. we feel um that every each of us particularly around this table there's there's more to be birthed out of us. So the, there was a conversation that began about a month ago about the women's roles in ministry, in leadership, in teaching, and in preaching. Um, one of the things that we know specifically per that conversation, it's like since then there's been a fire in our bones. There's a holy fury to, um, to really be about what we've been talking about. So let's start conversation about that. What are, what are, what did it, where are you today in aspect of women in leadership? What have you learned thus since <clears throat> after that conversation, um, being, um, being, and to give a little context for those who may not know, there was this respected, uh, man in leadership, um, and in ministry who had some, um, pretty rough sentiments about women in leadership and women in preaching teaching roles um therefore it's started a a, a, a huge conversation mm -hmm. about what really are the roles and what we what do we really believe and trust in women in leadership thus our hashtag favorite favorite female so let's engage in conversation let's talk about that how did it make you feel or where are you today and what has it done since then now that we are at the place that we are today, you know, a month after that conversation. So. I think first and foremost, it really caused me to turn to scripture mm -hmm. um, and really examine the scripture. And, you know, Paul, who wrote three-fourths of the New Testament, obviously had a huge bearing on what was shared in the New Testament. Yes. Mm -hmm. And one of the most common verses that we can look at is found in First Timothy chapter two, verse two, mm -hmm. um, where you know we're 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 looking at um, you know, Paul speaking in reference to women um and whether or not um they are able to speak and if you know if they should be silenced, um things of that nature. Twelve, right? Um first Timothy Chapter two, yeah, um, and and this idea of silence, right, mm -hmm. and thinking through that 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 whole idea, but if you really look at the cultural framework, we would have to understand 
both the culture yes. and the era in which yes, uh, Paul had right. mentioned this. Mm -hmm. so important. Um, there was a time in the synagogue where women and men were separated, literally. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, and also, um, it goes without mention that women were not the first to be chosen to be taught. It was the men. So they didn't necessarily know the Torah. They didn't necessarily know the scripture. So there was such a dependency on the man to learn. Um, and so it was kind of like, if you can conceptualize, I teach, so I conceptualize a classroom. Mm -hmm. If I have a student that is, um, you know, talking as I'm talking, I would try to manage my classroom. So right. it would be referred to as classroom mm -hmm. management, right? Mm -hmm. um, do I want that student to remain silent all year? Absolutely not. But do I want them to remain silent at certain times? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I believe that that's what Paul was trying to help us to visualize. There were moments as the men were speaking and sharing out scripture that at times women were asking questions. They were inquisitive. They were wanting to know what was going on. And so oftentimes it would appear like they were causing a disruption. Okay. Um, that's good. But it's not necessarily um, silencing, but more limit the disruption so that conversation can be had. And mm. what's further, um, if we're saying that um, it, it, that women should be silenced, then there are other references in scripture where Paul says for women to teach Titus chapter two, verse three, he Ooh. says that older women are to teach the younger, younger women. women. Right. Yep. They mm -hmm. are to teach what is good. And so train the younger women to love their husbands and children. So therefore we cannot generalize this notion that women should never be allowed to speak because we can keep going in Acts chapter 18 verse 26 when mm -hmm. he mentions when Priscilla and Aquila heard mm -hmm. Apollos they took him and expounded to him the way of God more accurately mm -hmm. in my mind mm -hmm. as I'm looking at all of these biblical references from the same author mm -hmm. I do not think and I conclude that Paul is saying that women should be silenced all of the time now, what about how the conversation turns into that um, women are to teach other women? So you find most women, the, the comfort, the, the, the comfort, I say comfort in quote unquote, like mm -hmm. almost sarcastic, um, that women are to just teach women or just teach the, or women and children. Mm -hmm. What is the reference that we can go to? that we can that we can um refer to that it's not just limited to women so yeah like that do you guys get what i'm saying like mm -hmm. now how do we back up the fact that that's saying it's not just women it's not just right. women. well culturally speaking right even now um those parts of the world are very divided mm -hmm. between men and women you know there's still a lot of cultural things that um, are still present to this day. Mm -hmm. So I think we can go back to the culture of the times mm -hmm. and, okay, they're teaching men and other uh, women are teaching young women and their children. But um, you have these great influences of the Bible, some of that we mentioned, that like Priscilla and her husband, mm -hmm. they leaded churches. Yes, they did. They were given the authority to continue. Yes. Right. The churches and the, and the movement and building of that. So if... Priscilla was standing beside, alongside, mm -hmm. equally mm -hmm. with her husband to um, to plant these churches and to continue to bring the word of God further. 
And what we already know is that the way the word was spreading, thousands and tens of thousands and things like that so quickly, I imagine that she was not just secluded to right. just the women. Right. She was running churches. She right. was given the authority to continue the work. Mm -hmm. And you can't continue the work halfway. What we know about these the people that followed Jesus and that um, did preach or teach or and, and, um, walked during Bible times is they were very passionate. Mm -hmm. And they were gung-ho and they were all or nothing. And... I mean, we know from each other, right? When we start to have these conversations, when we speak about Jesus and how we love Jesus and we're passionate of Jesus, we talk so that anyone would listen. Yeah. And those personality traits don't just come out of nowhere. That's part of our, our make. Right. So you apply those to the people that were walking with Jesus and teaching Jesus and, and continuing churches. Like, I, I don't, I can't imagine that these women who were, you know, Priscilla, for example, would be like, oh, don't, I, I can't talk here. There's only, there's, we have a mixed company. Mm -hmm. And um, that might have been the culture of the time or, or the way that, that they ran things, but it doesn't say. And I, just speaking from the passion that we all have, but when we talk about Jesus, I can't, I just can't imagine that right. she would hold her tongue. How can you hold your tongue about how much you love your Lord and Savior? Or what and, he's done in you. Mm -hmm. Right, and building these churches and, you know, for them to be so influential. There was a time where I gave a talk and <laughs> when I was introduced and went up to speak, I literally had, like, men get up from the talk and walk out. Oh, yeah. Wow. And I, I was confused, I guess, so naive, like, what is this? Like, I, I thought something happened. But then um, I was later informed that indeed, you know, um, the belief of women teaching or preaching in the men is un unacceptable. It's, it doesn't happen. I have like, a, I don't know if it's a right train of thought. I don't know if it's like biblical or whatever, but my take on all of this is like, as we spoke about all these females, like mm -hmm. that did all this stuff, like, in the name of Jesus and for Jesus and for his people. Like if God allowed it and God mentions it in his word and the fact that God in general, Jesus would entrust the gospel to Mary and whoever was at the tomb at first. Right. Like why would it be mentioned all these women? Mm -hmm. Why would two books be written in women's names? Why would he entrust the first two women at the tomb to spread gospel, to teach, to tell what God is doing in his church mm -hmm. if he would allow Paul to be like, no, just stay silent, silent the rest of your life and sit and behave in men. Like, I don't think that's the type of God we serve. Right. right. And like, just to yes. piggyback off of that, because I had to uh, like a mini talk on that exact topic that you're talking about. I called it Women Disciple Squad for Jesus. <laughs> that's awesome. Hashtag. 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 Women Disciple Squad. Squad. Um, I mean... Our biggest point of reference, right? Yes. Uh, if we're going to have a conversation, what's our point of reference? First and foremost is scriptures. Right. But central to that, the embodiment of all scripture is Jesus the Christ. Right. Mm -hmm. And if we look at the life and the behavior and the decisions of Jesus, we would understand that he is both savior and social activist. And what Jesus aimed to do in that time was to eradicate gender inequality okay. with women at the forefront. Mm -hmm. And so as you're saying... 
why would he choose then two women to be the first carriers of the gospel, bringing it to the disciples, of which exactly. Teresa, Erica, Jamie, and Monica, they had disbelief. Mm -hmm. The men right. did not believe that Jesus, their teacher, their <laughs> rabbi, their no. bestie, did not resurrect as he said he would. Yes. And how was it that the women immediately had this fervent belief and faith and excitement and joy and here's what's more in the culture that jesus lived in right. a woman's voice in a court of law was of ill effect so, if mm -hmm. a woman yes. was in the presence of a murder or a crime of any sort their witness their voice would be null and void mm -hmm. so how was it mm. come on now i'm getting crazy mm -hmm. how was it that Jesus validated the woman's voice Come on. Mm. right on the heels of his resurrection. Mm, yes. He could have mm. chosen anyone, right. anyone to bring the news. Right. But who did he choose? He chose a woman. And that to me is everything. Literally. You want to know my point of reference? It, it is Jesus. You got beef with that? Turn to him. <laughs> mm. You know, they're going, that's, good. that's right. really good. That's, like for real. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. Right, Sophia, thank you for, for that. Let's get simple. Webster's Dictionary defines one of the definitions of to teach is to cause or to help about a subject, mm -hmm. right? The One of the definitions of preaching is to deliver a sermon, but to advocate earnestly and to bring out, right? So if we are talking simple forms, aren't we preaching every day, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Aren't we teaching every day? That's good. Isn't That's that good. what they did every day? Right. You know? You can't have those those verbs and disqualify their meaning. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yes, we have um, you know we have the Greek words and we have the Hebrew words and all those things. But you know, when it, it all comes down, like the meanings are the same to exhort to to speak about loudly and publicly, and they go hand in hand, teach and preach. So. That's what we should we that's what we are doing. You live a life of Christ. You know, you aim to have mm -hmm. a, a, a walk with the Lord and you aim to to be recognized by your fruit, right? And that's what you do. You teach and you preach by your everyday. And you know, whether we're talking about what was um, the rules that were set out for that time, for that time period, okay, this is how we're gonna roll this right here. You know, out every day. Mm -hmm. We do that every day. So what, how, what, you know, even does gender have to do with that? Right, right. right Taking you. it even a step further. I mean, we have um, female professors. Mm -hmm. We have it. Our squad alone is made up half of more than half of teachers. <laughs> right. right. You know what I mean? Over ninety percent of teachers in the school system right. are women. Say, so that be the case. Yeah. I'm educated by women. Right. By women. So it's okay. If it's you. You're qualified to teach a young man in your classroom, but you're not. Or even a grown man in your college. Setting. Yes. Or right. A grown but man not. Oh man. But not. So then, <laughs> how do you think that we should be reacting to these comments? I think passionately. Yes. You know, we God created women with emotions. Mm hmm. Um. Very, you know, living, breathing emotions with passion, with feelings, with heart. You know, uh, mother's into women's intuition. One of God's, I think, God's greatest designs is woman intuition. 
which plays a role in how these women were able to be the ones to primarily or first preach the gospel to disbelieving men. Who I say is the Holy Ghost, because the Holy Ghost is telling us what's going on. Right, you know I mean? right. So, you know, I think we should take it very passionately, and I think we should pr allow it to propel us to move forward and allow it to just continue um, to fuel us in preaching and teaching. Even witnessing. Even witnessing. witnessing. I was just right. going to say that. Like, you know, uh, and supporting us, supporting each other, supporting other women um, in the ministry. And God doesn't disqualify people. Mm -mm. He qualifies us all. Mm -hmm. And we know them by their fruits. I mean, we can continue to go, you know, Bible, uh, scripture after scripture. And, and whoever it is, male or female, look at them and be like, okay, what are the fruits of this person? You know, are they living by the, are they exemplifying the fruits of the spirit mm -hmm. in their talk, in their walk, in, in their emotions, in their ideas? Um, and I think that's the main goal. The main goal is to be passionate and use it as a fuel to move forward and, and to reference the scripture because everything comes down to the scripture and how are you living and preaching and teaching that throughout your daily life. And I just feel that we have to be careful with the double standards. Mm -hmm. um, now, even to preface, and this is our disclaimer, do we acknowledge the role of the man in the church and in the home? Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. There is an order. Yes. There is a process. Mm -hmm. And there is a divine um, system of thought that we could clearly glean from Scripture. I don't think that this is so much from a... I am a feminist, hear me roar. Mm -hmm. I think that it is more along the lines of acceptance and compassion and careful respect because mm -hmm. Genesis chapter one um, talk, you know, speaks to that we were all created in the image of God. Mm -hmm. And as, as women, we are image bearers. Mm -hmm. We are Imago image Dei. bearers. And at the Imago Dei, which means in the Latin image of God. and. I just think that if we're going to look back at Timothy, right, which is 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 12, right, um, if, if you go a little bit uh, further up, it says, therefore, I'm in verse 8 of 1 Timothy chapter 2, I want the men everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands without <laughs> anger or disputing. Uh, we know someone what was very that? disputing. Yes, disputing. Right. Just <coughs> we're just we're just clarifying. Um, we know someone very dear to us by the name of Pastor Joe. I think he's kind of cool. Um, <laughs> this this idea of then if we're going to go according, I mean word for word verbatim what Paul said here, then in every. Uh, yes place of worship men's hands should be lifted and if they're not lifted they are going against clearly what first timothy chapter 2 <laughs> verse 8 is saying and therefore they are not truly involved in the lifting up of the hands in addition and i digress after this circling back to women and teaching as i mentioned over 90% of women in our school system, both at the primary, the secondary, and post-secondary level, are women. Mm -hmm. yep. There is a scarcity of men in the teaching profession. I've said that for years, mm -hmm. and we need more men to come up and to teach our, our young men that really need them. Um, hmm. But um, with that being said, 
So we cannot preach at the pulpit, but again, we could preach in the classroom and teach in the classroom. We cannot teach at the pulpit, but yet we're the ones primarily in the Sunday school. Yes. And so there is another aspect that I feel is a grave injustice. You're is. saying that you're going to isolate me to a specific group of people, but yet I make up most of the teaching profession, mm -hmm. both in the church and out of it right. in these specific areas. So to me, it, it, it has rubbed me the wrong way as a communicator of the gospel and orator and as a teacher and woman preacher. I take offense to that, right. not because I want to overwhelm a man's role, not because I don't respect the admonishment of the of the Apostle Paul, but because I know who I am mm -hmm. and because you recognize the giftings that God has given you. And can we just all agree to the point or to this specific fact that what had happened publicly um, with this woman in ministry, Beth Moore, can we just all agree that publicly we should never shame anyone at its, at its irreducible minimum, mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. That as women and men of God, that regardless if I agree with you, Erica, or if I disagree with your teaching practices, with your skinny jeans, with your nose ring, <laughs> that I'm going to respect yeah. you and that I'm going to honor you as a woman of God. Mm -hmm. And that I will choose to hold my, my, my thoughts about you. I think that that's where another um, frustration was of mine, that there is no space and there is no place for us to degrade each other, but as scripture tells us to lift each other right. up. So there's, there was just too much going on for me and the exigence, right? Which means the urgency right. when someone is um, called to speak, right? It is because something spurred them on. This is the exigence, right? This is where this conversation is coming from on the backdrop of that public event. And as I was listening to that, um, I was literally, um, brought me back to a passage in, in the word where the lady is brought, um, the one who's committed adultery in mm. front of the group of men. And Jesus says, he who is without sin cast the first stone. And that was my initial reaction um, to see that happening. And my heart hurt. My heart hurt because of everything you just said. Like we need to affirm one another, keep our thoughts, hold your thoughts captive and not use a platform like that to say things that can be hurtful to someone else. Um, and that was my initial reaction when I first saw that clip. And that was where my heart um, is sitting here at this table today because of that. Um, I quote Susan Eller in a, a devotional book that she said that she has is called Come With Me. We divide by denomination, by creed, by culture, by race. It's confusing to a watching world as believers divide over minute differences instead of linking arms around a common love for Jesus. Mm -hmm. It's an old age trap of the enemy. Right. He divides God's people to distract them from the call to go. Right. Right. Simple. That's, right. That's it. You it is, it is simple. You said something, Teresa, um, that really stuck with me about you know even in the time when we were discussing these particular situations you know um there's a time for theology and there's a time for the gospel and truly what we have found that the gospel although theology is important it's all important but the gospel what does what does the gospel mm -hmm. teach 
us. Mm-hmm. I love what, what Sophia says, the incarnation of the word itself. God, Jesus, our man Jesus. We're going to go to what his reference was. Right, I right. mean, I appreciate all the things that we're learning and, and, and our forefathers and the scholars of old and, and the scholars of, of now. You know what I mean? Right. Um, but what does our man Jesus, how does he um, um, exemplify our roles, our you know, how does he validate us? And I find that in his word, which I'm so thankful for this journey, because it really what it's done is that it has propelled us to jump into scripture and to yeah, really discover right. for ourselves and ask the questions and get and surround ourselves with um with <clears throat> book knowledge as well as I mean primarily the word knowledge so that we can, the Bible also says to always have a reason for why you believe in what you believe in. So right. why do we believe this? Why is it important to us? Why do we feel that it, it why do we feel that in a time and a generation right now, mm. these conversations are important? Well, they're important because we're, we're, we're an evolving people. And so as we evolve and we continue to grow and we continue, because the word alive and active does not change, right? right? Right. It does not change. So, so if we want to talk about and have the conversation about women and just um, the whole notion of like what Soph said, I'm a woman, hear me war. You know, we are a, 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 a women uh, feminist and you know, the conversation can go on and on and on. And truly, you know what? If we're going to be honest about certain conversation when it comes to equality and women <clears throat> and women's rights of equality, like, this is a good, this was a good conversation because, you know, um, I heard a preacher say once um, about women pastors, um, which is another conversation to be had at another time. But um, he said our... The question was asked, um, are women or should women pastor or should be pastors or something of the nature? And his response was, no, I don't think that women should. I don't think that women should should pastor. I am totally killing this. I won't even say his name because I'm totally smashing it. But, (laughs) But the point was what he's saying is that not every woman is called to preach. It's the right woman that's called to preach. Because when we we can make a platform and we we can have some do you have something to say or are you just looking for something to say you know what mm-hmm. i'm saying and so mm-hmm. um if like we that. want to consider equality one of the things that i was a was a propelling thought was actually a very like sobering thought is like we can't always size up a man to a woman let's be honest okay because if that were the case then why don't they put women boxers to fight with the best of the men league and you know, with the best of the women. Like, so if you're all, if you're fighting in the same weight class, you're not gonna put a man to fight against a woman just because you're in the same weight class. Does that make sense? Right. There is an overpowering like the, the men the, the the man has certain strengths given by God. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. And so yeah, there not everything can we size up. Mm-hmm. Um because we're not gonna put a man in the same ring as a as as a as a female. You know, um, in sports and all that stuff, that's how uh, the women can fight that women. Oh, but I can do what a man can do. I don't think you can do everything a man can do. I, I and that, and, and you let's have that conversation. And perhaps, maybe in your mind, you think you can do every. Okay, well then, we're gonna then let's put you in a ring with the man. 
you probably kick his tail, I'm sure. But that's just not the order in which it's done. Right. So let's have a conversation about that. Let's have a conversation about this sizing up. I can do anything a man can do or a man can do anything a woman can do. Um, which I don't think they're both true. I don't think a man can do everything a woman can do. Just like I don't think a woman can do everything a man can do. Well, just like the design of the church where everybody is supposed to bring a gift to the there table, right? Their gift and their and their um their calling, right? So women and men are designed to do two completely different things. So it's like comparing apples and bananas. It just doesn't make sense. They have their talents and their gifts and their abilities and so does a woman. Mm -hmm. And so um But you blend them together and they still taste so good. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so yeah. I mean Okay, go ahead. Um, I, I believe, you know, when you're talking about sizing up people, I love what you said, Erica, because, you know, just let's remove gender out of it. Everyone has a talent. Everyone has a purpose that has been divinely placed by God mm -hmm. to be there and to walk on this earth, to carry out their certain mission. Um, when you start disqualifying people you do a disservice to the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. That's good. Because I, everybody has a story. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just like you're saying, Monica, a woman is not going to have a equal story to a man. W will they have very, very similar experiences, life experiences, separate, se uh, uh, same lessons? Yes, absolutely. When you're taking, you know, uh, a bird's eye view of it, yes, they both went through this. Yes, they both went through this. Yes, mm -hmm. they both exceed, uh, um, excelled in this area. But what comes down to it is your audience. Yes. You know, when you connect with people, and the Bible's all about community, right? And and you you just can't, you know. And I know I'm kind of like jumbling words here because I. To me, it's just it just means so much. You're doing a disservice to the body of Christ mm -hmm. by limiting the message in the word and and the downloads that this person, this woman, is receiving from her father, mm -hmm. from mm -hmm. you know, from our father, and someone else needs to hear that story or this child, right? Mm -hmm. You know, children they right. preach, right. children yeah. preach, yes, right? Do. But you know, um, the the Holy Spirit is within all of us. Yes. We have, you know, that's the gift that was given to us. He's our counselor. He's our friend. He's our advocate. Comforter. You know, mm -hmm. our comforter. And you know, when you can't disqualify the Holy Spirit in one human being against another, mm -hmm. right? You know, gender, man or woman, the same right. Holy Spirit, the same power that is living and breathing in you that raised people from the dead. You know, that healed the blind and the sick and things like that. That You know, it's the same spirit that lives within me. Like, okay. one of our good friends, uh, Melody, I think, says that there's no baby Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's no baby Holy Spirit. Our children have the same Holy Spirit within them that we, we do, do as adults. Yep. So, okay. And, the, you know, we have to recognize that. And we have to know the truth. Mm -hmm. We have to know the truth of the word. And... You know, the Holy Spirit reveals that to us. Yeah. When you engage in, in conversation and relationship with the Lord and the relationship with your living, breathing word, the Bible, when you go, you search through scriptures and you throw it up against the word of God and you throw it up against the truth. We will know the truth and, and we will, will set us free. Right. And that will set us free. Like so the truth is, is the Holy Spirit is not segregated right yes. the holy spirit well, is not divided is it's inclusive not. Yes. right Inc yes inclusive. right it's inclusive to all of us so just because 
you know, my, my genes are that of a woman. I, my Holy Spirit and my God-given, you know, mm-hmm. talents are less than yours. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's my point. It doesn't, yeah. We don't disqualify anybody. You right. can't disqualify someone yes. for God using them. And we can go <clears throat> even further and talk about not only that you are a woman, but you are a Latina woman. Oh. And that that doesn't disqualify us either. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I have gone to many different um, events and conferences, and I look on um, TV, and I don't see enough of Latina women saying the things and having the talks that we are talking. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, even what we're doing now, this is revolutionary. Mm-hmm. This is literally acting out, or how do you say, letting the word... Um, speak to us in such a way that we can respond as Latino women, as women who have been disqualified or looked at um, as less than someone else. I just got to say this. I, I, I totally just have to say this. Go ahead, Circling go ahead. back. Help me, Lord. <laughs> the phrase was go home. Mm. Okay? The phrase was go home to this woman messenger of the gospel. A woman's voice has been silenced for Mm -hmm. centuries. Mm -hmm. Um, We could trace it all the way back to biblical times and then Jesus changing the course of that. We've talked about that. We see it even now in the 21st century. Malala Yousafzai, a woman's rights activist who was shot in the face by the Taliban for wanting to go to school, now advocating for girls' rights, said, we never realized the importance of our voice until it is silenced. Mm. That's why we have the Me Too movement Mm -hmm. coming out, where women have been silenced for years under this backdrop of abuse and rape and all of these social injustices that women have had to deal with. And I think that this is the time, right? This is the moment where we have an opportunity as women to function in who we are Mm -hmm. and to lift our voice. Mm -hmm. And I think that this has created an opportunity to be heard. And I think that now more than ever, our voices need to resound. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, And that is the permission that Jesus gave us and we're going with it. Come on now. Thank you. Thank you, Sophia. Thank you, um, Teresa, Jamie, Erica. Any last closing statements? I'm grateful for that conversation because it let us have this one. Yes. And the other ones that are going to be coming after this. Yes. So I'm grateful that that door was opened and that um, we can do this. Agreed. I, I agree. I, I'm very grateful. I'm blessed. You know, God is going to use who's available and um, who's willing to chart the course. And so we're here charting a course for mm-hmm. women, for, you know, Latina women to explore and expound on what God has for us. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited for what's going to be born from this conversation and many others. I'm excited to not only lift our voices, but be a voice for the voiceless. Yes. Mm-hmm. I love yes. that. To be honest. Mm. To be honest. To be honest. <laughs> Thank you, ladies. Um, it is our honor and it is our um, complete, humble, um, uh, in our humbleness, thank you for being here with us. Thank you for engaging in conversation with us. Thank you for having the courage 
to be the disciples of today. Mm. We are um, we are on mission, and we have been commissioned by God Himself to um, to carry out the gospel. That is a mandate for everyone. Um, go preach the gospel, and so we are living, breathing uh, evangelists. Uh, we evangelize by how we live every single day. It is not limited to a platform. It's how we care for our children. It's how we care for um, humanity as a whole. And so um, thank you again for um, for having this conversation with us. And, um, and Sophia, would you do us the honor and close us in prayer this afternoon? Yes. yes. To the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to the God of Israel, to the God of both man and woman, to the God of your own creation, we come before you this afternoon and we are excited, first and foremost, that through your son Jesus, we have access, opportunity, and permission to come into your presence. We do not take that lightly. We consider it a privilege and an honor to have access to your throne so that we can ask for grace and mercy in time of need. And so we ask that you bless this conversation. We ask God that whomever is going to listen in on what we had spoken about from our hearts, from scripture, from our times of studying, from personal experience, God, that you would create this collective conversation that we can continue to push out your virtues, your principles of justice and equality and love and compassion and empathy and ultimately the delivery of your gospel of which we are all the messengers. We understand your dichotomy and we respect your hierarchy and all of the different frameworks that you have given us in scripture. But in light of that, we know and we embrace who we are as your daughters of Zion, as your wonderfully and fearfully made gems. We know that we are the apple of your eye. We know that you have given us a voice. We know that you have given us talents. We know that you have given us an offering that we are to pour onto this world. And we will not be fully satisfied till we walk in the fullness of your destiny. So we present to you Imago Day. We long to be image bearers. We long to walk in the image image, the full image of who you have called us and orchestrated us to be. And we will not apologize for what you have fashioned us to do on this earth. We will promote your gospel. We will walk in our destiny and we will embrace others. We will be a voice to the voiceless. We will embrace those that are forgotten. We will pull the ragamuffins and the misfits from the margins of society because we are they. And we love you and we honor you and we pray that you will continue to take each conversation and that it would bring you glory, that it would bring you fame, that we would point to you as the famous one. God, we thank you for the opportunity to share, to communicate, to express. Mm -hmm. And we pray that, that, that it was a fragrance onto your throne. We pray this all in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the Holy Spirit. We confidently pray these things and the daughters of God say, Amen.